We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. So welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my fellow football priest who you know, who you love, Zach Kelberman. Zach, I tweeted about this today, and after the time you spent on the Cowboys beat back in the day, you know, we, we can't help but start having some kind of an emotional investment in the teams we cover. But you might disagree with what I'm about to say. But why is it so easy to take pleasure in the Dallas Cowboys choking in the playoffs? Listen, there's no invo- uh, emotional investment on my end, no love lost. It, it They do seem to be the team that does all, all every single postseason – I did not see the Green Bay Packers stomping coming at all. I didn't think the Cowboys would make it to the Super Bowl, but I thought they'd at least win one playoff game. But here's where it sets up something interesting, Chad, to take it a step further. There were rumblings that there's a mystery team for Bill Belichick services, and it was supposedly in the NFC East. A lot of people figured it might be the Eagles with Nick Sirianni and the losing streak, but maybe Bill B and Big D. Could it happen? What, what about the Giants, though? Because that's his old team, right? That he, I think they're keeping Dayball, though. Are they? Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, uh, this is from Ian Rappaport. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones declined to comment on the specifics of his looming decision on Mike Ooh. McCarthy's job status. McCarthy has one year left on his contract. Jones did say this is as bad a loss as he can remember. Quote, floored, he said. So, yeah, it's on the table, Zach. Um, And McCarthy, aside from that one whirlwind 2010 season with Aaron Rodgers, he is like the coach that epitomizes close but no cigar. Yeah, and I think he's very much overrated. If you put Bill Belichick in that situation, an elite defense, an offense that has plenty of pieces, uh, I think they can make some noise. They might even get past that elusive NFC championship hump with Belichick at the controls, but obviously still a lot to be uh, you know, determined. To get so to thus far um, in the wild card round, in case you guys missed it, a very quick update, then we're getting to some Broncos. Trust. Packers curb stomp the Cowboys, 48-32. Chiefs defeat the Dolphins 26-7. That was a bummer. 
Uh, Texans curb stomp Joe Flacco's Browns 45-14. Not only as we speak, it's Rams-Lions with the Lions up by seven. Yeah, I mean, the, the Dolphins, uh, Chiefs, we all were rooting against Kansas City, but I take a little pleasure because I'm so petty and seeing Vic Fangio, his team go down, Chad. So there's there's some semblance to that. Um, in terms of the other games, I feel like they were pretty boring, if we're being honest. A lot of blowouts. It was cool, though. I, I got to say, I had to eat my heart out a little bit because I was jealous of some of the quarterback play um, we've seen only in a couple of the games, but especially that Texans game. Stroud, man. CJ yeah. Stroud is the truth. Uh, the Ronk in the house. So good to see you, big dog. Thank you. How are you? Appreciate you checking in and all the support, my friend. Uh, okay, let's get to some Bronco talk here, Zach. Uh, I want to lead with this. I'm not sure if uh, you saw the story, but in case you guys missed it, Pete Carroll is out in Seattle. <coughs> Pardon me. And uh, so he did his last Pete Carroll show uh, on local you know, every week he had a show with Seattle Sports, the ESPN station there uh, in Seattle. And his last ever uh, episode of the Pete Carroll show was just this past week. And he started talking about, Zach, of course, with the looming uncertainty of uh, the Russell Wilson situation and their history and just all that stuff. That became a key topic on the show. And I want to read a couple of things that he said here. And I want to get your thoughts, because it seems to me that even if he wasn't overtly criticizing Sean Payton. He was he was kind of implying something. So here's one thing he said, quote, as we got coming out of that phase, the early years where they went to two Super Bowls, one, one, where we could really run it a lot. There was an emphasis on the passing game and we did go too far. I wish we would have kept the blend more in the mixture, the run game, because I think we were more difficult to deal with that way than trying to out yard them in the passing game. Then he goes on, Zach, to say, quote, uh, in the game, meaning the NFL, the football, when your quarterback is a runner and he's mobile and he can escape, that's a factor in the game that really neutralizes a lot of stuff. And when you have that and you use it well, where it's a threat, but also it's a surprise, the threat is in the scheming of the running plays and the surprise is when you scramble. That factor really is a big factor in the game if you can control it. Close quote. Last thing. Often, this is Carroll, often that type of a player, right, that he's describing, young Russ, for example, isn't really the most proficient type of passer. He's an athlete type of passer more so. And when you have that blend, which we had for a number of years, just look at Russ's rushing numbers when he was around 500 yards a year, close quote. So first things first, do you think it was subtle shot at Sean Payton? Hmm. I could see how someone could read into it that way, but word for word, it sounded like he, it was a shot at Nathaniel Hackett, if anything, when he talked about uh, a yards player, not necessarily turning him into a, a pocket passer like he wanted to be in the whole let Russ cook fiasco. Um, but it also seemed to me like he was describing Russell Wilson of 25 years old and not Russell Wilson of 35 years old because, yeah, no one disputes the fact that he was a great running quarterback, very athletic in the pocket. But in two seasons in Denver, it became obvious, Chad, that the physical limitations were there and father time was slowly creeping up. He wasn't the same quarterback. And that's what led, you know, partly, if anything, to his benching. So Phil jumping in. <coughs> Pardon me. Good to see you, Phil. He says, good evening, Chad, Zach, and Deacon Scott. So we'll, we'll shift topics for a moment. Will we pay Lloyd Cushenberry the third? I think he will be too expensive. Hashtag 
Buckham, MHH for life, go Broncos. So, Zach, if this were a normal, semi-normal offseason where the Broncos had some breathing room on the salary cap, I would guess, I would I would say, yeah, they're going to make overtures to try and re-sign them. That's no guarantee, but they're going to try. In this case, I don't think it's in the cards, not only, Zach, because of the, the Broncos being, according to over the cap, 30 million above the cap right now, but in back-to-back years, they drafted developmental centers in Luke Wattenberg and Alex Forsyth. So what's your answer? Even in a normal year, if the Broncos were under the salary cap, I don't know that Christian Barry uh, would return. You can't tie up that much money into one positional group. And they gave $87 million to Mike McGlinchey, $50 million to Ben Powers, whatever it was. Christian Barry has had a good season, but you have to wonder how much of that was motivated by it being a contract year. Where was this cushion berry for the last three years before 2023? So I have no doubt based on the fact of the coaching and how the big of the step forward, the offensive line took you give anyone is Alex Forsyth, uh, a guy you draft to Zach Streif and Sean Payton, and they will uh, make lemonade. They will develop a starter. So I, I it's going to be tough, but you have to let them walk. Oh, that's the wrong one. Um, yes, I agree. Um, I agree, but I want to, I just want to remind everybody of something because this only goes to further hammer home the probability that Lloyd Cushenberry has played his last snap in Denver. Uh, and I'll try and blow this up a little bit if I can here. Bada bing, bada bang, bada boom. Okay. This is the top rated centers according to pro football focus for the 2023 season. You'll find Lloyd Cushenberry, Zach in the top 10. Uh, ranked 10 with a 73.3 cumulative grade, 76.4 as a pass blocker, 72.4. So I think he's in line for a decent paycheck, and uh, it's hard to see the Broncos being in a position to afford that. But before we continue on further, guys, i got to remind everybody, hey, it's a uh, football playoff Sunday. sucks that the Broncos aren't in it this week or this year. But to help console yourself and always just eat well, you got to make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Part of your game day, as big of a part as it is of the Jensen families. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before, three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun, everybody. You choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning Broncos country, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the next game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, yeah, so interesting. Now, look, on the subject of, of what Pete Carroll's talking about relative to Russell Wilson, you know, it's people have to take account of the fact that Russ, part of the reason the Seahawks were willing to move on from him, and we remember the reporting, is they felt a lot of the magic in his legs had diminished. All right, father time undefeated, the vagaries of age, all that stuff played a part, but he also specifically wanted to go somewhere where he could uh, be given the, the, the carte blanche opportunity to let Russ cook and be that drop-back passer, which – you know, as Pete Carroll alluded there, that's not really his uh, his bag. He's not a proficient type passer. He's an athlete type passer. So that didn't work out well. Sean Payton comes in, Zach, and at times, especially early in the season, he went a little wild with some of the drop back. Uh, you know, when we talk about run to pass ratio and all that, it, it was a little off kilter initially, but it seemed to me, Zach, that that aspect of the Broncos offense did balance out about when they started climbing out of the one, one and five hole. Um, but, you know, most of the runs we saw from Russ were either short yardage dives, right? Or him scrambling, which was quite often, you didn't see much by way of a planned uh, with a, one or two exceptions. I can think of Sean Payton scheming creative ways to utilize that still alive, even though diminished aspect of his game. I I feel like Sean Payton looked at the tape and a telling comment he made after the benching was uh, we saw 15 weeks worth of whatever was on film that we didn't like. And it was like a cumulative result. And that went into the decision to put Jared Stidham in. I don't think he can trust. I'm speaking for Sean Payton right now, but I don't think he can trust Russell Wilson to scramble with how careless he was at times in the pocket with the fumbles and not really knowing which way a defender's coming and scrambling into pressure, running into the arms of a defender. I just think over the course of time, Sean Payton realized how limited Russell Wilson was and his trust factor completely diminished. Yeah, I think there are a lot of factors behind it. Um, Russell Wilson, for what it's worth, uh, averaged 469 rush yards per season in Seattle. To uh, total rushing touchdowns were 23. His career high came in 2014. They went to the Super Bowl that year and lost to the Patriots. 849 yards and half a dozen touchdowns. But landing in Denver, Zach, at 33 years old, turning 34 halfway through the season, um, he rushed for 277 yards and three scores. That was in 15 starts, by the way. And then he also got 15 starts under Peyton. That number did increase to 341 yards, also three scores, just for the sake of being thorough in our context. Leroy, what's up, dude? So good to see you on Facebook. It says, today's game with the Cowboys Packers. I'm so glad we didn't hire Dan Quinn as head coach. His defense was exposed once again today. Yeah, they, they seem to be uh, – I don't even know if it was so much schematic shortcomings, Zach, although I'm sure that played a role. But it just seemed like an energy uh, deficiency, like the Packers came to play and and brought that playoff intensity and, and don't want a, our season to end kind of uh, panic almost in their play. They stayed poised, obviously, but the Cowboys, to me, it was more of an energetic thing. I mean, the vibe was off between Dak and – and C.D. Lamb. It was just a weird day, vibe, energy, focus, preparation-wise, and that unfortunately does uh, 
reflect on the coaches, including Dan Quinn. Yeah, I can't speak too intimately to the Cowboys to know whether they didn't show up or the inner workings of the team. But one thing about Russell Wilson and running, what the Cowboys do when you have a quarterback that has some athleticism, if you want rushing plays to work, you have to have the other components that can hold a defense or scare a defense. The Eagles, even the Saints, the Cowboys, they all have uh, secondary parts and a supporting cast, Chad, that can take attention away from the quarterback. Who can the Broncos really rely on? They didn't have a tight end to speak of. You had only Cortland Sutton at receiver for the most part that was scaring defenses. The running game wasn't really scaring anyone. The offensive line had its up and downs. So in order for you to have a, a successful rushing attack with the quarterback, you have to have more around the quarterback, in my opinion. That's what makes this offseason particularly challenging for the Broncos is, you know, you, you have a desperate need at the key position, quarterback, but you also have multiple holes on offense. And Eric Trickle had an article today, Zach, 10 uh, offensive options for the Broncos in round one. There's a couple of guys on that list that could end up being there also in, in round two. If you don't land that quarterback or if the Broncos opt to bring Russ back or if they opt to do something different at quarterback. So it's interesting because you you read that and you see some of these names and, and you think, yeah, what a difference any one of these guys could make on the roster. But it's like, first things first, you got to solve quarterback. Anthony, bro. On Facebook, so good to see you. Appreciate you. He says, what's up, Chad and Zach? Love your guys' coverage of our Broncos. Keep up the great work. We shall, my friend. As long as you and everybody else keep showing up, we're going to keep showing up. So thank you, big dog. But, Zach, I got to ask you, Cortland Sutton, his little uh, Instagram post where he kind of made it sound like a, a lot of people interpret it as a goodbye of sorts. Did you see that, and did you interpret it as that? What was your thoughts on the, the Sutton IG post? I haven't seen it, so it's tough for me to comment. Can we pull it up? Yeah, I'll pull it up real quick because it's it's been a hot topic around, of course, uh, Broncos country over the last two or three days. And I'll, I'll pull this up, uh, do the share screen. We can do the uh, scratch and sniff. Everybody sees what's going on here. Hang tight one second. Uh, but here is, here is uh, let me blow it up a little bit so everyone can see. Get rid of that. Uh, here's what he said. Broncos country. And by the way, it was a picture of him in the huddle, kind of motivating the dudes in the tunnel, so to speak. And then in between team leaders, Justin Simmons, Russell Wilson, quote, Broncos country, I'm very grateful to be able to have finished off another season here in Denver. Unfortunately, we weren't able to accomplish our main goal. I'm still grateful for all my teammates and support staff that have been riding with me all season. I know all things happen for a reason, and I trust my God's plan over everything, including whatever is next for me. Just know I gave everything to this team and organization every time I stepped on the field. All love, 14. Hmm. My first instinct is, isn't to read into it as a goodbye, but it, it is a little cryptic, and you have to wonder about the timing, Chad. Like, why put certain uh, verbiage together that way to make it seem like you're leading a, a breadcrumb of maybe I'm leaving, maybe I'm not. We have to see how it plays out. Like, if this was Jerry Judy doing this, for example, I, I, I can make – an accurate take out of it, but Cortland Sutton isn't really known to be dramatic on social media. So when he speaks, it's important to listen. No doubt. Um, I think it's, he's kind of communicating. This is me putting on my, uh, you know, jumping in my Freudian seat, so to speak here. But I think it is acknowledging for any NFL player with very few exceptions, the kind of uncertainty that begins a new off season on the heels of an unsuccessful 
regular season. So there's that unsure aspect of it. Hey, whatever may come, know that I love y'all and I gave it my all, etc. Plus, Zach, uh, Cortland Sutton, even if he was never privy to specific conversations at Broncos HQ, he spent the better part of the last two off seasons uh, being linked to one trade rumor after another. And then on top of that, he finally has a post-ACL injury resurgence uh, to his career. It's with a quarterback named Russell Wilson. You know, this is a, a wide receiver who has found ways to shine despite being on a, a quarterback carousel-centric team. I mean, that Pro Bowl year he had in 2019, 1,100-plus yards, half a dozen tutties, three different starting quarterbacks. And I think it's also him kind of being like – expressing in one way or another like does he even want to be here if russ isn't going to be here he didn't say anything close to that this is me interpreting you know tonality subtext the entire situation over the last couple of years in particular but i think there are a lot of questions relative to Cortland sutton and even though he is hands down the broncos most productive receiver coming out of the 23 season i don't think anybody is untouchable this year in particular uh, you might be onto something because he went through quarterback hell as every Broncos offensive player did. And he finally found some sort of rapport with one guy, that guy being Russell Wilson. Then what happened? That quarterback was benched and is probably going to be cut. And I don't think Cortland Sutton, like any other player in the post Peyton Manning era wants to go through another playoff list season, more uncertainty. So uh, it could mean nothing or it could mean something. We can look back on it maybe in two months and say, Hey, if it happens, at least he didn't, uh, you know, he warned us in the past get this by the way thank you mr producer <clears throat> russell wilson has 24 regular season games where he passed for over 300 yards uh, in his career dak prescott has 26 already and that's in zach 74 fewer career games which just goes to show you that like that's not russ's bag russ is not the star wars pocket guy you know and it makes more, more and more sense, as much as I hate to admit it, uh, as, as time marches on, that Sean Payton was very much drawn to the Broncos because of ownership. You know, it's a quality team in the NFL, all-time annals, you know, high class. The whole nine yards, they've always done it right under Mr. B, and he really resonated with this new ownership group, and, the, and he liked the front office situation. But according to the most recent reporting, had his doubts about Russell Wilson and what might be left in the tank, but resolved to at least give it the old college try uh i'm it, it's starting to become even more understandable why he had those misgivings even though some of us through wishful thinking may have been like no nah, no nah, russ still has it it was a weird year i mean what we're talking about one of the most incompetent head coaches in nfl history and nathaniel hackett a guy like sean payton can get it done and i'm trying to remember who it was zach that said this specifically but uh i think it was it the same Dick Vermeil article, but basically if Sean Payton can't resurrect Russ, can't be done. I mean, I hate this expression, but there's multiple ways to skin a cat in the NFL if you're a quarterback. And it's all about W's in the end. I don't, not passing yards or stats, it's about winning. And last I checked, Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl on his resume and Dak Prescott doesn't. So it's it's people love the sexy, people love you know reading the the price tag, so to speak, on some of these quarterbacks and the and the box scores, but we all know that Russell Wilson, I think, had, had a better career in the NFL than Dak Prescott so far. Uh yeah, Jeffrey 
Russ Twitter post today looked like he wants to stay. So I'm checking out his Twitter right now. Uh, most of it is him giving props to the players who received some accolades since the season ended, all pro, pro bowl, this and that. But his last tweet, Zach, came six hours ago, and uh, it was celebrating a stellar play between he and Cortland Sutton against the Raiders. Looks like it was week one. And he said, quote, the double spin toe tap by Sutton in Buffalo and us beating KC were my favorite moments. Uh, 2023 was fun. 2024 about to be better. So I didn't really read anything that, that would imply or, or speak to his view of staying in Denver. Tell that last thing, 2024 about to be better for him or for the Broncos. I might be getting hangry, need some little Caesars ASAP, but I, I just, I can't stand another off season or months of dice deciphering every single Russell Wilson tweet. The sooner that we have resolution chat on this matter to me, uh, the much better. Well, what'd they say? Two weeks. They're going to take two weeks, come back and get to things. And Sean Payton, Russ, you'll be the first to know what we decide, but uh, it seems like uh, whether it's justified or not, and we can argue that that till the cows come home, the Broncos are probably moving off the rust thing unless he tweaks his contract. And Zach, when you're already owed X number of guaranteed many millions of dollars, you know, a team that kind of, in your opinion, if you're seeing it through Russ's eyes, kind of did you dirty this past season. Where, where's my, and, and you see, it seems like I'm already halfway out the door anyway. What really is my incentive to tweak my contract, take less money, you know, let move this date to that date, you know, um, defer guarantees into the future. Da, 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 da. It's hard to see it happening, but the Broncos are, you know, yeah, they've got a first round pick, but it's just outside the top 10. So unless they had a pretty good plan in place already, Zach, where the scouting department and Sean Payton, kind of were sharing a brain on a given quarterback and had a, a relatively a plan in place that they felt relatively optimistic they could execute in terms of getting in position to land that quarterback. You might just go, you know what, we're better off trying it one more year. But the problem is, as his contract stands right now, one more year equals two more years. I just can't see Russell Wilson's motive either in uh, redoing his deal. If it's to endear himself to the fan base, it's never going to work. They've been crapping on him since day one. Some of them, the Broncos fan base. And uh, also, how do you come back as a mentor or a bridge or whatever after the team came to you, said, Russ, we'd like to do this, and you said no. And then, okay, we're going to take you out for Jared Stidham now. Bye. You know, yeah. the, the, the brutality and the and the cold, doggy dog nature of the business, I think Russell Wilson w woke up to in Denver. and. If I know if I was him, I wouldn't be uh, sticking around for for that much longer, Chad. You know what? I'm with you. I'm I'm feeling the stomach grumble, and uh, it's a good reminder that it's that time to talk about one of our great partners tonight, which is Factor. Guys, you got to get started on your New Year's resolutions with the help of Factor, so that you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. You get to skip the grocery stores, all the prep work, and the cooking fatigue, and instead get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, that is, including options like keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. 
Plus, you get over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions, and it really is convenient. It kind of, it comes to you uh, in kind of like a TV dinner type of format, only it's not frozen. It's fresh. Can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, Broncos country, skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays with Factor. Choose from more than 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. Um, this January, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. And this isn't a service uh, just for now or just for tomorrow, just for next week. It is here uh, for the new year. The entire year, 2024, and no is in Factor. It's not just a way of life. It's 365 days a year, Chad. That's right. So head to factormeals.com slash huddle50, and you use our code huddle50 to get 50% off. That is code huddle50 at factormeals.com slash huddle50 gets you that 50% off. All right. Man, I am. I'm just like starving Marvin over here right now. Ready to ready to eat something as soon as we hop off. Um, okay, Zach, I want to grab this. And by the way, appreciate each and every one of you being with us. William in the house. What are these rumors about Mason Rudolph? So we might be part. I might be mostly to blame over this. It's not really a rumor uh, about Mason Rudolph and the Broncos. Uh, it was the Bills' former GM Doug um, Wally Whaley. How do you say his name? Waylon. No. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Sorry. Uh, you know, he did a, uh, a made an appearance on a on a Pittsburgh area radio show earlier this week. And the questions about Rudolph's future are obviously quite salient in that market because he's the starting quarterback currently. You know, he went from Zach opening this season as the third string guy be behind Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky to. Mike Tomlin saying, hey, here's the keys to the offense. Started the last three games, won all of them. Hasn't thrown a pick yet, and he's uh, he's the guy. But now, going to be a free agent when this season is over, so there are a lot of questions, and so they're talking about him. And uh, the GM said that he basically fits, ideally, what Sean Payton is looking for as far as being that pocket guy. Uh, and so I'm like, you know what? It's slow. It's the offseason, and to boot, Zach, it's the weekend. I'm going to write this up. But that's really the extent of it. Still, though, it doesn't really move us off our prerequisite of no more reclamation projects, no more Band-Aids. And it doesn't answer, uh, you know, correctly the questions that we pose on Thursday's podcast. Is a veteran quarterback out there that would be cheaper than Jared Stidham for 2024, which is under $5 million, and also an upgrade on Jared Stidham on the field? I don't think Mason Rudolph would qualify for either of those. He is extremely mid a career backup. And if you're going to roll with that while you break a new quarterback in, or I mean a rookie and give him time on the bench, you already have the guy. He's already familiar with the playbook. He's already started two games. I don't see the point chat of taking two steps backward to take two steps forward. Just go forward. Cut one of those steps out. Plus, you know, be in the same way, Zach, that you have to be aware of the one year wonders. Uh, in the draft, specifically in the first round, and especially relative to quarterbacks. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky is actually one of those, you know, one of those uh, lessons that NFL teams hopefully have learned and take to heart. Beware the one-year wonder. 
Well, it's it's similarly true for veteran stop gaps. He's you can't call him a journeyman because he's been with the same team since he was drafted, but that stop gap kind of fail-safe dude that comes in down the stretch and kind of saves the day and suddenly finds a way to capture lightning in a bottle and it translate to some sh- translates to some short-term success. Matt Flynn echoes throughout football eternity on why you got to be careful about those guys. I think this is probably a quarterback that the Steelers make a push to keep in Pittsburgh and let yeah. he and, and Pickett sure. kind of battle it out next summer. But I look, does he fit the Peyton prototype of as far as, you know, he's got nice size, a six foot five, 235 pound dude. You know, he's a pocket guy really only. And in that sense, you know, Peyton likes the guys who are going to be where he wants them to be. You know, ball's going to come out on time, all that stuff. But there is literally nothing next level at all about Mason Rudolph. And to boot, Zach, you have all that context of the situation, the collection of guys and that weird chemistry that gets involved with football and playoffs and all that, especially down the stretch. That it's hard to re bottle that somewhere else with a completely different uh cast of characters, coaching staff, situation when the quarterback doesn't have a history of being the difference maker, etc. If Mason Rudolph is such a hidden gem, what's he doing? You know, he's buried third string in Pittsburgh behind Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. I mean, I'm pretty sure Rudolph was a second round pick, second or third round pick, a fairly high round pick, and he's never been spectacular on the field. His claim to fame in the NFL is getting the hell beat out of him by Miles Garrett in that helmet brawl. He's as unspectacular as backup quarterbacks come. You already have that guy in Jared Stidham. Just roll forward. And yeah, uh, it was third round Oklahoma State. Hey, BK, thank you, brother. Appreciate the super chat. And yes, congrats to Dylan Von Arks on his first podcast, which was Saturday night, but still. Um, joining Ron White now as the permanent co-host on Orange and Blue View. So did a great job, broke the ice, popped his cherry, so to speak. But, you know, we've had Dylan on the show back in the day when uh, he first kind of popped on our radar which was as a super chat superstar he was in our community and he was uh, vocal and he was obviously knowledgeable and consistent in there every single night and very supportive and then it started zach with us going yeah hey dude you want to maybe moder- help us moderate on youtube and he did that for a while and then and then uh, decided to give him an opportunity to write and he's knocked that out of the park he stayed consistent you know, he made the trip for the MHH meet and greet back in October. Once again, not his first time. Brought the old man, too, by the way. It was cool to meet your dad. And uh, so when the opportunity came, there was a spot needed filling on one of the shows. Made perfect sense to rope Dylan in on that. And, yeah, congrats to you, big dog. You crushed it. Yeah, I never had a question. Dylan's going to kill it. Be sure everyone to check out their show on Saturday nights, uh, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. That's Dylan and Ron White. We've got uh, Phil jumping in. Good Lord, I'll take Ben DiNucci, Gucci DiNucci over Mason Rudolph. Yeah, you know, it's worth mentioning, too, that this became a thing because the Broncos, obviously, are in the national news, Zach, relative to the Russ situation. Everybody knows that there's a solid chance that Sean Payton's going to be in the quarterback market this year. And you're in a local market in Pittsburgh that, has questions of its own at quarterback. 
And so the, one of the first guys that has a credible opinion, you know, you ask him about it. And that's what he said. He said, I like the, I like the fit, but let's not also jump too far over the shark, so to speak, in terms of it meaning anything relative to how the Broncos feel. Does Peyton even like Mason? We have no reason to believe any of that. Well, I agree with the comment as well. I like Danucci over Rudolph, and here's why. It's very simple. We already know what Mason Rudolph is. We don't already know what Ben Danucci could be, and that might just be a backup, second string, third string, but we don't know, so I'd rather, rather roll with the potential and the ceiling over the floor. Yeah, Paxton Lynch uh, is a good example of that as far as his the one-year wonder phenomenon, so good call on that. Uh, his his uh, junior year at Memphis, 28 touchdowns, four interceptions, about 3,800 passing yards. John Lopez jumping in with a very generous super chat. Thank you, brother. Really appreciate you. Uh, he says, good evening, Chad, Zach, and Scott. This always seems to elude discussion. Are we happy with the Broncos' run game? It no. seemed mediocre. Any running back standing out in the draft? Thoughts? Well, listen, no, it's funny you say that because – it's funny you kind of angle your question the way that you did because Sean Payton, Zach, stayed committed for most of the season to the running game. I'm, like I said, that first quarter, there were a lot of factors that led to the one and five start, but including, I think, early on, too much of a reliance on this straight pass, uh, drop back passing game. But then he's like, I'm trying to remember which game it was, Zach, in the second half, where was it the, was it the, uh, Oh, where he was lamenting his losing patience and going away from the running game in the second half when they were trying to battle back. Anyway, moving on from that, he kind of overcorrected, but but not it, not too much where it was like run game, run game. The problem is, Zach, it did lead to some good things, but the problem was they weren't getting production on those first and second down uh, situations, which are the key rundowns. And I think a big reason for it was initially – uh, a new offensive line and a new scheme kind of coming together, but I think they quickly coalesced. If you look at that unit across the board, for the most part, run blocking wise, the grades are very, very good, both individually and collectively. I honestly believe this was a big case of just not having the right running back fit. You need a more explosive back. And there's a good chance, Zach, that Javante Williams can still be that guy because this was his first year back, kind of rushed, so to speak, from a grievous multi-ligament knee injury. So while there is a chance that Pookie could still offer you that explosive option, uh, I'm not banking on it. I'm not going to totally rely on it. And if I'm the Broncos, I'm finding me a 1A caliber, or you know, 1A, 1B caliber running back out there, whether it's through the veteran free agent market or the draft. Yeah, I'm going to defer to the draft dudes on specifics of who the Broncos should target in the draft, though uh, the, the type of running back has to be the game-breaker. The, the the mold they should be trying to replicate is what they saw in Detroit, which is David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, the, the lightning and the thunder. You have to have that in today's NFL. There were multiple factors, though, as to why the running game kind of fell off. I do think they rushed Javante back a little too soon. He he tired down very quickly. He wasn't 100%. Uh, the, the offensive line wasn't always getting pushed. And also, 
from their point of view, the opposing defense would play near the line of scrimmage knowing Russell Wilson's limitations. They were pretty much daring the Broncos to beat them through Russ knowing Good they point. could shut down the running game. So there were so yeah. many things that went into it. Having a better quarterback under center certainly will take pressure off the uh, the backfield. That's an excellent, excellent point, and uh, I'm glad you brought that up because when the defense can anticipate what you're going to do on first and second down to like – a, a accuracy rate of something like the 85 percentile you could have freaking Barry Sanders back there and it's not gonna be as great now maybe Barry Sanders is an extreme maybe it's a bit hyperbolic but you get my point when they know you, what you're doing on first and second down especially like it kind of changed a little bit in the last two or three games but anytime the Broncos had Jaleel McLaughlin on the field it was a specific telegraphed tell balls going to him on a handoff. And so you just load the box. You didn't have a quarterback that could make him pay for that ever uh, without completely bailing out on whatever the play is, escaping the pocket and going full backyard football. You can't bank on that. You cannot pay your mortgage on a quarterback who makes all of his bones, 90% of his bones, Zach, off schedule. And that's something that I think Sean Payton was pissed off about and what led to the Russell Wilson benching. And I'm just spitballing here, speculating. Sean Payton wants a dominant running game like Detroit. That's why he kept uh, comparing the Broncos to Detroit. And when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson under center and he admitted those limitations, not specifically, you just can't do it because defenses can tee off. Hopefully, if they have Jaden Daniels crossing my finger under center in 2024, the running game should take off. Oh, baby. I mean, look no further than Houston at how exactly. the right quarterback pick can immediately change your fortunes. Um, okay, we're at 39 minutes. We're getting a little bit long. Sorry we were so late tonight. That was my fault. Um, but any burning topics, questions, uh, supers, get them in the chat. We're, we're probably going to keep tonight a little bit shorter than usual. But, Zach um, – what did you what did you make of and I'm not sure if you saw this, but I'll pull up the article. But did you see the uh, <clears throat> the uh, ugly Twitter brawl that Pat Sertan and Justin Simmons got into with James Merrillat? And what did you make of that? I've heard about it. I don't know the context. OK, we'll react Wait. in real time tonight. Let's uh, let's go through it real quick um, and then we'll grab. <clears throat> pardon me. Not allowed here. Let's go through it real quick. Cliff Notes version. OK. Um, so James Merrillat, he's, <clears throat> gosh, this frog in my throat. He's an editor at, uh, Denver sports, which is one Oh four, three, the fans digital sports blog, formerly the, uh, mile high sports guy. He sold that, got out of that and, uh, has worked for the fan, but he, uh, he's kind of been an anti PS two dude. Um, and he's definitely Zach, what you might call a social media pugilist, right? Like. He's experienced and loves getting in there and getting his knuckles bloody on Twitter. Um, and he's a little bit of a hot take guy, and that's that's where he kind of makes his bones. And I don't say this to criticize him. I've got nothing against him. I'm just telling you kind of his style. He tweeted this, quote, The PS2 outrage, of course, of being, I guess you could call it snubbed for the All-Pro, omitted from the All-Pro team. Uh, the PS2 outrage is funny. Dude made zero plays this year. Don't give me the they don't throw in his direction nonsense. The Patriots did on the biggest play of the season, and he got beat. He wasn't an all-pro this year, not even close. 
And then he went on in a in a, another tweet that I'll kind of paraphrase, where he's like, yeah, I'm getting ready to go on vacation, uh, thanks to Devontae Parker. All right. Sertan punches back, all right, and he says, quote, to Marilat, you've been hating ever since I got in the league for some reason, LOL. Go watch the tape, and I can speak for myself, not these clowns on this app, including you. Look at all my three years and measure that up. You're talking like you know something. All right, all right. Then, you know, uh, Marilat, he kind of punches back at that, and it didn't take long for Justin Simmons to uh, succumb to the trigger. And this is very unlike Justin Simmons, Zach, but he jumps on tweets, quote, there are people on this app that think PS2 isn't a top four corner, meaning, you know, if you're one of the top four corners, you're an all pro, obviously I'm not naming them or quote tweeting because they want the attention. Just know you're a clown and always will be. And at some point you will be addressed. Now just isn't the time. Pat is elite close quote. And then last thing here, Zach, and then I'm serving it back to you. Um, Merlat punches back and uh, with this comment I mentioned earlier, thanks to Devontae Parker, I'm on vacation this weekend. I'm going to go enjoy it. You guys should too, after Justin Simmons added him with a clown emoji. So Justin Simmons says, quote, after vacation, don't forget to punch in your clock on Monday. Crazy how you're attacking generational talent when you have no background to stand for it. I never respond to anyone because it's not worth it. But you attack Pat. Shows your character. This is my last reply. Enjoy. Close quote. So if we weren't in the midst of the offseason and a weekend stretch of the offseason, not much of us, not much to see here, but that's the full context. Your thoughts. That's what I was going to say. It's like, that's how I know it's January 14th and the Broncos are out of the playoffs. Once again, we're, we're devolving to this, but the, what I could say about uh, Merliat is he's a social media contrarian and he gets off on people taking the bait hook, line, and sinker. So Sertan responding and Simmons responding, that's what he wanted. And that's and the only way to kill that fire is to not give it the oxygen, not respond to someone who is known for firing hot takes with the purpose solely to rile people up. That's who he is. But you can tell the Broncos are a little sensitive over this PS2 thing. And, you know, it wasn't just PS2's response that kind of roped Justin Simmons in. Simmons was obviously feeling this. And uh, but look, I hate to be I'm not I'm not saying this, Zach, to pile on. But if you look at who made the all pro team, it's understandable that he he didn't make it this year. And you look, especially at his body of work, it was a solid season. And I would say, yeah, it's, it was a pro bowl caliber season. It wasn't a poor season, but it was far from that all pro body of work from 2022 that Sertan laid down. And he had two games in particular, Zach, that were just ugly and uh, where he just didn't play well and got smoked and highlights, you know, the Miami game and that Patriots game in particular. And, so it, to me, I'm not – there's a reason why I haven't been raging against the machine over PS2, not making the all-pro team. Um, but hopefully what it does here, Zach, is it fuels him to get better and continue honing his craft. I do believe that he is one of the elite corners in the NFL. Let's just leave it at that. And the Broncos have, for now anyway, uh, one of the most elite corners in the league. 
The only player I was really raging over, if you can call it that, was Quinn Miners because I feel like he was snubbed from the Pro Bowl and yes. from all pro. Sertan, you can definitely make the case that he didn't deserve it, though. Uh, you can definitely make the case that he should have made it, considering you know he was a Pro Bowler, Chad, and he did make the NFLPA All-Pro team, whatever that's worth. So he's just not – I don't think he has the name it recognition to get there every year solely on that alone yet. Yet. That's true. Not allowed here. Jumping in with a super chat. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you. My top three free agent targets, Chris Jones, Danielle Hunter, Devin White, linebackers, uh, D-line, rush, rush linebacker, off-ball linebacker. What are your guys' thoughts? Um, I mean, how wonderful would it be, Zach, to have Chris Jones in a Broncos uniform? He's literally uncontainable. But how are we paying him? Huh? To get, to get him in the Broncos uniform. Uh, exactly. Well, he takes monopoly money, Chad. Right. There's the voodoo, right? There's. We'll see what the Broncos ultimately plan to do when they get back from their little vacation and start making their big decisions. When they get back, you can believe that Sean Payton and George Payton are going to be looking at different reports from Rich Hurtado and some of the staff about – what move would create this cap space? Hey, we could approach this player about this and this, da 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 da, da. this cut over here, blah, blah, blah. So they're going to have kind of a laundry list of options that, depending on the path they take, can get them to this resolution. This one's kind of like, you know, pick your own story type thing. Um, when they get back and, and have those meetings, I think some of these decisions are going to flow pretty quickly. Um, but for now, I don't think Chris Jones is even possible. Hunter as well, like, He's getting a little bit long in the tooth, but he maintains his productivity. And Devin White, we love this dude coming out. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, we were at the Combine the year he came out, and he's he's a stud, but I'm just not sure the Broncos are going to have the means until we see what matter or what manner of voodoo uh, they're able to work relative to the salary cap. That's what it boils down to me. You know, not allowed here. I like the way you're thinking. The Broncos definitely have to address edge rusher defensive line. But these are all uh, A-tier free agents. And the Broncos will be lucky if they can snag one B-tier free agent. George Payton himself even said, don't expect the Broncos to be in on the first wave like they were last season. All those guys will be way out of their reach. I mean, basically, if they can't re-sign Lloyd Cushenberry, you're not going to be able to afford uh, Chris Jones. Simple uh, Scott Scott's of the opinion for what it's worth that Devin White uh, was awful this year. Colby, the triple C in the house, bro. So good to see you. Thank you for the stars, man. Really appreciate the support tonight. We could really use it. Um, he says, does Scott uh, Devin White was awful this year. All right. So Zach, he started 13 games, finished with just 83 tackles, 49 solo, uh, two and a half sacks, little bit of production there but definitely below the standard of his previous kind of all pro pro bowl uh, contributions. I mean, he was coming off of three consecutive triple digit tackle seasons and came nine short his rookie year. So he's basically coming off of four straight triple digit tackle seasons. And he only had 83. You look at his pro football focus grade. Scott's providing it for us here. Uh, and he was, he had an overall grade of 46 his run defense was a 30.8 now just the context of that without spending too much time those are terrible horrendous grades i don't get too caught up on pro football focus grading system just because at times it seems 
arbitrary and you scratch your head, but over a large sample size and throughout time, I think it does at least point generally in the right direction. So do you want to sign someone coming off a career low or do you, if here's a, maybe another way of looking at it relative to Devin white and thank you, Ronk, you know, we love you, big dog. Maybe now's the time to try and strike on a player like Devin white. Cause his value might be a little bit diminished as a result of coming off a lackluster year, but that's still assuming Zach that you have the wiggle room to get a deal like that done. I'll defer to Scott for sure. He watched him twice a year uh, down in the uh, NFC South. So if he says he's kind of washed, then I, I tend to uh, uh, take that uh, to heart. But what Devin White does best, not necessarily defending the run, is he's so good against the pass. And he might have taken a step back, but throughout the course of his career, that's what he made his bones on. And that's what the Broncos should be targeting. And that was one point I wanted to make about Chris Jones and Daniil Hunter and all these players. Instead of throwing more money at at someone else's leftovers or whatever, how about the Broncos go out and just draft these guys and develop them and have the next Chris Jones or have the next Daniil Hunter on a four- or five-year cost-control deal? I think that's the way to go about it. But realistically, washed or not, they just can't afford an A-tier player of that caliber. Not this year. Last thing on that subject, and thank you, Ronk, and we're going to dip on out of here uh, from Mr. Producer uh, Context here on White. He was a healthy scratch a few times this year and uh, amid reports that he, quote, quit on the Bucks. So, yeah, you're looking at a little bit of a reclamation project, which might affect his value. But how invested do you want to get in a guy that has rumors saying uh, he quit? You know, so it's keep like that a little Randy Gregory ish. Yeah, we don't need that. Eric Weber, bro. So good to see you. Thank you, bro, for the support. He says, Happy New Year, MHH crew and Broncos country. Want to see what the front office has in store in the coming weeks and for the draft, indeed. We're going to find out here pretty, pretty soon. Um, maybe as soon as toward the end of this week. I'm not positive on that. But, yeah, dude, thank you. Really appreciate you. Um, but with that, Zach, I think, uh, I think we've kind of reached the end unless there's anything left that you wanted to cover. No, I mean, this is just Jay in response to what I said. You can only have, you can only draft with the picks that you have, Zach. If you have a lack of picks, especially top 100, it's hard. I mean, obviously, Jay, I'm just saying if they were to bypass a quarterback at 12, let's say, if you target that edge rusher or interior lineman and you hit on that guy, you don't have to go out and overspend on a veteran when you can have that next star in your building in the pipeline being built up. I'm just saying that's the best case scenario and something the Broncos have uh, whiffed on for the last five or six years. Oh, man. Um, what you really are hoping here is if Josie Jewell, if there's just not the money there to bring him back, you got to fall back on your initial read of Drew Sanders and really kind of lean into the progress he showed this last quarter of the season. Not to say that it was like eye-opening, but he did take steps forward. So there is that, Zach. But uh, guys, we're out of time. Don't leave. A couple of two, three messages for you first. Great episode of the MHH podcast. As always, if you're not doing so, please follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at mile high huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL and Scott, our producer at scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, like we're rocking each and every podcast, check out MHHmerch.com and get you some baby. If you haven't drop us a like at facebook.com slash mile high huddle pod. 
You can find us on Instagram if you're there at mile underscore high underscore huddle. And an Apple podcast, make sure you're leaving your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single month. But if anything, y'all, please subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. That it does. A mile-high salute to the great Super Chat superstars and supporters tonight, helping us keep the lights on. Going up against a bona fide NFL wild card game. Thanks to every one of you for being with us. And a special shout out to The Ronk, Phil McLaughlin, Anthony Cardoza, uh, BK, John Lopez, Not Allowed Here, and Colby C. Collier, the Triple C. Love it, guys. We'll see what the Newswire has to present to us tomorrow. Uh, but Zach and I will be back then. 6 p.m. Mountain will be on time tomorrow. That's my word to you. We'll be perfectly on time right at 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Come hell or high water, trust. Love you guys. Have a good uh, have a good Sunday night and enjoy Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow. Yes, sir. We'll see you all tomorrow night. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.